Welcome to the Cross Yas podcast. The podcast that says Yas to cross dressing, sexuality, and gender. I'm your trans woman host, Billy. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus lately, if you haven't noticed, which I'm sure you have. It's just been kind of a really crazy few months with just everything in my life personal, professional, the ups, downs, mids, in betweens. All arounds. Uh, I mean, it kind of started off with just me being on call and not really being able to point my focus towards the podcast for that week. And then, you know, I got sick and then the holidays and just procrastination. And I've been like coming out at work, which has been overwhelmingly positive in ways that I could never imagine. It's just honestly just completely blown me away with all the support that I've gotten. And then I have, like, this possibility of my my career, like, blowing up and moving forward finally. And I can maybe finally close this current chapter of my life to move on to the next one, and I cannot fucking wait. Um, well, here's a chat that I made with Ashley... A few months ago, I know a lot has changed for myself in that time, and I want to apologize for Ashley for getting this out so late, and I know later on in the episode I mentioned something about trying to get a, trying to get um, like a Veterans Day roundtable going, unfortunately that did not happen, getting people together to record episodes like that is... Sometimes it can be pretty difficult just to get people's schedules in line and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm sure I dropped the ball on it, but it's already gone and passed. But maybe maybe this year, maybe this year we can get something like that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but anyway, this is a, a bit of a long episode. Thank you for your patience and, and for all the waiting. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Yes, 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 yes. Cross, yes, podcast, which is Elmirasol and Billy.
if you're enjoying um, my conversation or, or Ashley's story and, and you would like to share your own or like to help support the podcast, you can reach me or, or even support the podcast on the crossyaspodcast.com website. Um, we have the Patreon links, which Giselle and I are recording kind of some after DDT specials lately. They're pretty fun to listen to. Some people seem to like them. I tend to not be able to not laugh when I'm recording them. So, I don't know. That's something. Uh, You can also help support the podcast by buying Giselle or myself a cup of coffee, Ko-Fi, however you say it. Um, Or if you'd like to talk to um, Ashley or myself or many of the other Crossyas previous guests or listeners, you can find us on the Crossyas Confidential, which can be found by going to the crossyaspodcast.com website. So cool. Okay. Alrighty. And we're back. We're back. So hormones. So hormones. Hormone therapy. So couple of big things um, but relative to hormones, and that is that many endocrinologists um, will do hormone therapy for transgender people, but it's not their specialty. It's not what they focus on. Yes, there are, you know, standards, what's called the WPATH standards, um, which are peer-reviewed standards that are worldwide um, that give people a good starting point for hormones. But we as a group are very are not a very well um, studied group of what works best. We're not. And because we're not, um, most of the most of the information that's out there for endocrinologists to refer to is for the most part the least is just a starting point not necessarily the best practices of how to have your best transition there's just certain things that they know from an endocrinology standpoint of you know what's safe and not safe um, but because there's so little studied of how to have your best you know development many of them are guessing um, and they're just following the minimum standards and then many people who are transgender will find that they have they're they're disappointed in their transition, and they're um, they're disappointed in how far they've come for the amount of time that they put in because it's called transition for a reason. It doesn't happen fast. You know, you'll find people you on the web who have tremendous changes in you know just three months or six months or that sort of stuff, but then you'll have other people that have been on hormones for, you know, three years and they have very little changes and they're saying, but what's different? Why are they different? And, you know, then they try to compare hormone therapies and what they were on versus what you're on, but we're all different and we Mm -hmm. all have different biologies and we all have different, um, we all have different, you know, markers of how we would likely transition. And so, you need, if you're going to transition and do hormone therapy, you need to be your biggest advocate for yourself. And you need to research it and you need to find out 
and discuss it with your doctor, your goals and your aspirations of what you want to achieve, what things are most important, and then what things work well and what don't. So I'm going to give you just some quick tidbits that I've learned in my time in doing this research and talking to, you know, I have two different transgender uh, endocrinologists that I deal with. Um, and then a third doctor who's very probably the most well-known doctor that I deal with his office as well. Um, and I do that all because I want all of those opinions and then I make my own decision of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then I bring it to my doctor and say, this is what I think is best for me. And finding yourself a doctor who agrees with those policies and procedures is so important. I hear so many people who are trans who will say, well, my doctor won't let me do that, or my doctor won't even consider those things. Well, if that's the case, and or I need to bring you know the, you know verified research to prove to my doctor, if that's the case, you're at the you have the wrong doctor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you don't have a doctor that's willing to work with you and consider other therapies than what they're doing or recommending based on their limited knowledge base. You're with the wrong doctor, and I and and you need to be your biggest advocate. Don't assume the doctor who's he, who you've went to knows what to do or what's best for you, because they don't. It's not like you know going to a cardiologist and you know telling you that you know you've got this murmur in your heart and here's what to do. Yeah, that's been studied an infinitum with you know hundreds of thousands of people who have that same condition, and they know the outcomes if you do this or you do that. They have a pretty good sense. We're not that way in the transgender population. They don't have that empirical data to work on to know what is best for you necessarily. And I really want to stress that for the people who listen to or see this podcast. So key things to worry about. If your doctor is recommending that you go on an oral uh, estradiol and you're over the age of 50, that's a mistake. Okay, you're not on the right thing because what they know for a fact is that estradiol taken orally, its first pass goes through the liver, and that's very dangerous for you if you're over 40 to develop blood clots and that sort of thing if you're, if you're taking your first doses uh, over 50, and take that for somebody who's over 50, that you want to use one of the transdermal uh, pathways, which is either patches or gel. Uh, which both will not by, bypass the liver, get metabolized in the kidneys, um, and so that you're much less risk uh, in that way by having that sort of, you know, using that sort of um, pathway to get your estradiol. Um, suppressing testosterone. It's probably your your first goal, first and foremost, is to suppress testosterone rather than how quickly you get to a high estradiol level. Many people right away go on and they hear, like some of myself, like my estradiol level runs around 400 right now. And many people hear that and say, my doctor's not got me on enough. I'm not there enough. I'm not there enough. And then they're assessing that right away to their, um, where they are at. Well, one of the things that they do know is that you don't want to make immediately go to a high estradiol level while you still have high testosterone and you want to take a time titrating down where your testosterone comes down and your estradiol goes up and that should happen over like three or four months period mm -hmm. to have the best transition um, 
anecdotally, and there's nothing to prove this, but you tend to get better breast development if you titrate slowly up. Um, the, the girls who have the best development naturally versus getting breast augmentation are when they titrate up slowly those numbers and not try to do it all in like a month's time. Instead, do it over a longer period of time. So that's one thing that I think is important for people to know. Um, WPATH standards tell, and many doctors will say, especially endocrinologists who are not knowledgeable in this area, say that, oh, you want to be between 100 and 200 estradiol. That's where you should be, and you should never go 100. If you're testing over 200 estradiol, that's dangerous, and you shouldn't do it. That is a total misnomer. That's not true. It's based on where cis women are for their long period of life and when they're going through puberty, their initial puberty, not where a woman lives in her whole life uh, mm -hmm. standards. First of all, most women who go during the time of their menses, their estradiol levels are much higher than that for a short period of time. And certainly when a woman is going, gets pregnant, for nine months of their life that they're pregnant, their estradiol levels can be in the thousand or more, mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. higher than, than what the WPATH standards are recommending. And so the people who've done any look at the anecdotal breast changes where you get the most fat redistribution, the best breast development, the best hip development, and everything else, they believe that you're better off having being in a... a you know, sub 500 or around 500, topping out maybe 600 estradiol. But you don't want to stay on that for a long time. And one of the ways I convinced my doctor, my endocrinologist, is, you know, when I told him that the, these other doctors were recommending that I be higher than 200, and he was believed, oh, no, no, you should just be 200. I said, no, no, you're not recommending I be at two, over 200 forever. They just mm -hmm, want mm -hmm. to be at that for like a year, like, you know, somebody who's pregnant, and that'll help me get better development. And he hadn't even thought about that as a, as a solution. And he had already, when I talked to him, he had already been treating like 30 different transgender women. And he had, hadn't even looked into it yet. So I made this recommendation from another, you know, from, you know, what I had found out. He looked and he said, you know what, you're right. I looked into it, you're right. You'd be perfectly safe doing this for that period of time. You know, go do it. I'm supportive of it now. So I took him this information, and he changed what he was recommending based on the information I got from another doctor. And that's what I mean. You have to be your own advocate. It's not that you can't work with a doctor who believes in certain things, but it's definitely worthwhile getting other recommendations and working with a doctor, an endocrinologist, or a general practitioner who's willing to listen to you and consider other options. If the doctor believes, then know that they know best, and that's it. That you know, that's the end of the road. You're not working with the right doctor. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what I wanted to make sure it got out there a little bit in information because uh, you know, there's not enough of that information passed around uh, among people who are transgender. Not for sure, and I know I don't probably don't do enough research for myself. <laughs> Um, but I, I am coming up on my first follow-up for hormones, uh, like three days. So. And how long, when you had your first, um, what happened on your first appointment? Did they do any hormone baseline therapy, you know, find out testing where, where your hormones were? I know they, they, they took my blood, but when I go look at the, the lab results, I don't see any hormone levels. 
which is what happened to me going to Planned Parenthood, and I was very disappointed. They had no idea. They put me on certain regime, and they were testing for STDs mm-hmm. and AIDS and that sort of stuff, and not testing at all what my hormones levels were. And yet they were giving me a recommendation of a starting dose, and that's why actually I ended up saying I left Planned Parenthood because, and they weren't going to test. They were going to put me on that the lowest dose of transdermal patch possible. And they were going to test me again for three months. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find that acceptable, honestly, after the research I'd done. They put me on a .025 patch. Okay. Which is like, even in WPATH, the recommended starting dose is .05. Mm-hmm. So they were doing half of the standard dose as the start, and they weren't even going to test me again for three months. And so I called up that Planned Parenthood doctor and I said, you know, I did a little research and, you know, I'm fine on this .025. You think you could put me on .05? Oh, yeah, I guess so, sure. <laughs> and these were people who were recommending this all the time and they weren't being good advocates for my for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so then I, then I switched to doing my, you know, went with an endocrinologist and my health plan and that's where I hooked up with somebody and... and no, we didn't test every three months. We tested every... First, initially, we tested once every month um, because I wanted to know what was going on and where I was trans- transitioning to. And it's not like the, your health insurance won't support that. They will, actually. They just... That's not what WPATH recommended, so they didn't do it. WPATH was the minimum they recommended to test every three months, not, like, the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So, when? How long has it been that you're on now? I started in June, June fifteenth, and it's what October fifteenth now. So, so July, August, September, four months. Four months. Yeah. You haven't had hormone checked yet. No, they were they were booked up because the, the 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 trans healthcare here is um, very very busy. So, I definitely recommend again being your own advocate. I found that my health insurance covers Quest. I called up my I, my doctor was too busy to call, so I texted my doc. I emailed my doctor on our health system. I said, "Do you think I could get a hormone a base hormone level, you know, and check where I'm at right now?" Um, and they said, "Sure, you know, where are you gonna go? Do you want to come to our lab, or do you want to go to?" Uh, you know, where are you going to do? I said, well, I happen to know Quest doesn't, and I've got a Quest lab that I can schedule my appointment with right nearby, and they take online scheduling, and, you know, is it okay you send the orders to Quest? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, part of being your own advocate. That's why I'm telling you, Billy, like, one of the things to do, be your own advocate. Find out yeah. where your, your health insurance covers and get yourself tested. Yeah, well, my health insurance isn't great. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> um... Because I, I started off trying to go my health insurance route, and it was just, it wasn't, wasn't going anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's why I went the Planned Parenthood route. But, I mean, I'm still early on, so. Yep. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm there, getting there. Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad you got four months in. What are you doing right, what are, are you on pills or are you on trans, a transdermal? I'm on pills. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. taking. I find them right now. I'm doing four spironolactones a day, 
Is that fifties? I believe they're fifties. I'm so I'm doing two in the morning, two in the evening, and then I'm doing. Uh, sorry, uh, stack them. That's okay. <laughs> I'm doing um, one tablet in the morning and one tablet in the evening of the estradiol. And that that they're two milligram. Two milligrams, yeah. Okay, so you're at four milligram. Mm-hmm. So that's not bad. And are you doing the estradiol sublingually, or are mm-hmm. you swallowing them? No, sublingually. Okay, so you're letting them dissolve under the tongue. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I always seem to I, get in. I always seem to get in a conversation so when I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it. I'm like, just stop talking. Like, you just talk. I don't want to talk. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, just just so one of the things that they know besides the fact that um, if you do it sublingually versus swallowing them, um, you get, you bypass, you know, a little less will, uh, a little more will bypass the liver if you do it sublingually versus do it, swallow them. But you get, tend to get better estradiol and less estrone. And do you understand the difference between estradiol mm-hmm. and estrone? Okay, so... Estrogen has two different components, E1 and E2. E1 is called estrone, and E2 is estradiol, okay? And estrogen, your estrogen level, is made up of those two components. And it's really your estradiol levels that drive your feminization more than your total estrogen levels. Um, So you want to make sure that when you're getting tested, when you do get tested, that you get tested not just for your estrogen, but your estradiol level and your estrone level, both separately. Okay? Okay. The doctors who know better will say, oh, this makes much more, you know, we want to know what your estrone level and what your estradiol level are. Okay. Okay? Um... And then separately, so you're on, you're taking a very high dose of uh, spirolactin. 200 milligrams is a lot uh, mm-hmm. to be started out on. Are you having any side effects from it? No. How about uh, a lot of peeing? Honestly, not really. Uh, really? I, mean, I, pee, really I pee a bit, but not, not, not as much as like I've, I've heard of people. Right. A lot of people have a lot of side effects. I'm very glad you're not having a lot of side effects. Yeah, like I know a lot of people that like you know they crave the pickles and the salty stuff, and it's like I, I do, but it's not like, it's not like what I hear. Not for okay. me. Well, good. So hopefully they it's done a good job of you know suppressing your testosterone well. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like they're doing a pretty good job in terms of at least not starting you on the lowest doses and you know, not you know not having you go so, you know, crazily low. So hopefully you oh, they, that switch in the four months to now where you're dominant estradiol and, you know, that your testosterone is suppressed. Yeah, they, they definitely, um, they started me off slow. So I started off with, um, I guess, two milligrams of estradiol total. So it was a half a pill in the morning, half a pill in the evening. Right. Uh, and that was it for the first month. And the second month it switched to... Three milligrams of estradiol, so a pill in the morning or evening or whatever, and a half half pill, whichever one. Uh, and then, and then I was doing. I think I was doing just two tablets of the spironolactone a day, so like two in the morning or whatever. Uh, I just did it once once during the day, 
and then the next uh, three months till till now, it's been what it Good. is. The... Great. And how are you feeling about your changes? Are your changes? And you feel good about the changes you're seeing? What have you noticed so far, changes wise? Physically, um, I've well, definitely mentally noticed. Mentally, um, mentally, um, well, almost immediately for me when I first took that first tablet, there's a, like a lot of like mental clarity, just like a lot of head noise is just gone. And I'm sure a lot of this is probably just you know my internal like fears. It's like, oh, I'm finally doing this. So it's like, don't worry about it now. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely happier. I think I, I tend to handle stressful situations a lot better now than I did before. Uh, things don't things don't bother me as much as they used to. Mostly at work, because work is really the most stressful thing that I, I deal with. Right. Um, there's a lot of situations that I know if I dealt with them five months ago, I would be absolutely livid and just, like, angry and... and just super pissed off like just the other day when i was supposed to do this recording with you on wednesday and i had a or was it wednesday or thursday whatever day it was thursday i think and i had the, the blowout on my tire on the right. way home from work and i was on the side of the highway for five hours like really i didn't realize you were that long no. i was there for five hours and, and i was fairly calm and collected I mean, I was angry, of course, because the whole situation's kind of screwed up. But right, right. I know if this happened five or six months ago, I would have been livid. Like, right. Screaming. I would want to punch stuff, screaming. Uh, it would have been insane. Um, I have had a lot of people tell me that they don't know or that I don't think they know about my stuff, and they definitely don't know about the pills. Um... But, like, my boss has told me recently, because I've been up for, like, some promotion that I didn't take. And he's like, you know, in the last three months, you've been seeming, like, happier and, like, more talkative and, uh, you know, just nicer person to be around. So that's kind of an affirming thing that I've been hearing a lot lately. Absolutely. I got the same exact thing. And even before I told anybody, like, not Mm -hmm. a soul knew other than my wife and people would say wow you look so much happier now it's, it's you know and is it your weight loss is it you know what is it <laughs> a little bit of option a a little bit of option b right. yeah no, i've heard that a lot and then um i don't know how about physical like changes physically um my face has definitely changed quite a bit in the last four or five months um, or four months, however long it's been. Uh, it's just softer. I, I feel like I, I glow more. I definitely have more of a like a glow. My boobs are, are they're growing. They, if you're in the Discord, you you definitely know because I don't shut up about it. Like every day, <laughs> um, you have a daily reminder of a uh, uh, hashtag Billy's boob status. Purdy or whatever, <laughs> um, but they're 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 getting there, and they're they're like um, I think I'm between like an A and a B, honestly. They're, That's they're great. That's fantastic. My mom, my mom and sister are both pretty uh, well endowed with with their boobage, so I'm blessed blessed in that aspect. That's great. But uh, let's see, 
I haven't really noticed much hip hip growth or, or re well, fat redistribution around there. How about your skin? You feel of your skin? Oh, it's definitely softer. Definitely softer. Um, I've noticed. I always hear this a lot from other people that like their nails get real brittle and like start peeling and stuff. I already had that problem before taking the hormones, and I, I didn't always have that problem. I, I started having that problem around the time that I came out to my ex-wife, and I think I was just really stressing out about a bunch of bunch of stuff. But since I've started taking the hormones, my nails have gotten a lot better. They're stronger like they used to be. They're not peeling anymore. They're not brittle. They're growing faster. My hair has been growing like fucking crazy in the last like three months. I'm starting to like, my temples are starting to, these things are starting to like come in now. And, um, I don't know, I talk about my wiener in, in um, one of the Patreon episodes, so if you really want to hear about that, you can subscribe to Patreon and, and find out about all the, the dirty nitty gritty. The dirty nitty. Um, um, but what's what's really weird is is I like I like looking at my before and after pictures. I like seeing the changes. Um, so just recently, I had a, a side by side shot of like June, like right before I started, or maybe even right when I started. So before any changes have happened, and it's really strange because when I see that old picture of myself, I'm oddly attracted to my old picture which is weird to me because I know I didn't feel I didn't feel attractive at the time um, but that's that's new um, yeah I don't know it's there's, there's been a lot of changes so far that's one thing we could talk about and, and we don't have to be very specific but um, then we probably want to and pretty soon um but uh, you're talking about the, the wiener effects, uh, the wiener effects. So um, I don't uh, I don't function anymore down there. Um, mm. When you do get to a certain amount of time on hormones and to certain levels that you get, um, you can ride sort of a, an in-between where you can still function down there. Um, a lot of people say, well, you start to shoot blanks or whatever, <laughs> but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I don't. So if you do get decide that you want to go for the higher levels of estradiol the way I am, you typically will not function down there, which is good, at least for where I'm at emotionally. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel, because um, having erections or that sort of stuff was very dysphoric for me for a while. You know, like, like I, didn't wanna, I didn't want that anymore. So it mm -hmm. really depends how important. And you can help design, you know, what happens to you with you being a proactive member of your, you know, you know how you want to develop and how you want to, you know, go fast, go slow, whatever. That's all. Yeah, so, like, for me, I'll, I'll say whatever. I don't really care. Um, so my, my wiener currently, it, it does get hard. It takes a lot of work to get to that point. Um, I go into really, really in-depth detail about this in the Patreon episode, so I'll leave that for that. But I'm not sexually active. Um, I don't really have any urges, and I really haven't ever had a lot of urges for for being um, 
the penetrating partner, so like right. getting hard has never really been all that important to me. Um, so that's for me, it's not a huge loss. I, I know I, I talk to a lot of people like that's like one of the big things, like holding them back. But you know, from my understanding, it's a like kind of a use it or lose it kind of a thing. I will also say one thing that I'm not sure if you're there yet, but definitely was I was further along. It was later than where you're at right now that my testes shrunk mm-hmm. to nothing. I mean, nothing now. Like, I was going to get an orky. I was going to have the operation because I wanted to get rid of them. And it was around the five to six month point I actually scheduled with a urologist. And it took like two months to get an appointment with a urologist. And in that two months, it changed. And I showed up for the appointment and I said, you know, I was calling to do this, but now, like, it doesn't make a difference anymore. <laughs> so get your get your tweezers ready. Yeah, like, they're gone anyway. Like, they're not there. And it makes tucking way, 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 way easier when, that, when mm-hmm. they, I mean, literally, you can't tell I have any. That's where mm-hmm. I'm at now. Like, and I was like, I never thought that was going to happen. I was so surprised, like, because it used to hurt, and now nothing hurts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, minor, minor, they're there still, but they're definitely shrunk. They're definitely smaller. They tend to stay inside most of the time, and they're like canals or whatever. Right. They just kind of do that on their own. Yep. So you're getting almost to where you know mine were now. I haven't seen them in months. <laughs> yeah, well, good riddance. <laughs> exactly. I know, interesting discussion, but most people wouldn't see... I thought it would be interesting to have this discussion because most people don't know what happens there. You know, It's not mm-hmm. general knowledge mm-hmm. out there, so I thought it would be interesting as part of the podcast. To... Oh, yeah. Like, even um, something that's interesting to me is I, I, I'm circumcised, and with my wiener shrinking, I've definitely noticed my wiener, like, I'm using hand gestures so if you're listening uh, watch the episode um, my skin like rolls over more so it's almost like I'm uncircumcised it's kind of weird to me I don't know it's not something I really expected I, I, I guess I should have though because it definitely it shrinks so I wouldn't mm-hmm. it definitely shrinks and it can it continues like you know And that's why, that's why I said, you know, it's more like when I first got started, like the tucking issue was such an issue, you know, pre- presentation and I was wearing um, uh, gaffs to mm-hmm. look right down there, you know, when if I wore like um, leggings or something like that and I wanted to present right, you know, in public, I would wear a gaff so that it, you know, looked like you hadn't looked like a regular cis woman down there. Mm-hmm. And now, where I'm at now, I mean, I'll, I've been worn gaps in months, and you can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's with not even having had any surgery. Like, it's just gone. So I don't, I don't know if this is um, specific to me, because I know it's all, like, you know, your mileage may vary for everybody. Right. But I, I've noticed that, like, I'll start off tucking, like, when, before I leave or whatever. But throughout the day, as I'm, like, walking around or moving around or whatever, 
my wiener tends to um, tends to suck up like more into my body, so it, like kind of untucks itself and just kind of goes, kind <laughs> of sucks in, <laughs> and the, just like all the skin kind of goes around it, and it's fair. You know, it's pretty flat on its own. Um, so I don't know. That, that's that's something that I've noticed because it was never like that before. Like if it came untucked, it was pretty obvious. Um, yes, I don't know. Cool. Hmm. It's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, that's something that happens. That happens to me. Um, I don't. I don't read too much about people's wieners like rolling in. Or not, I don't know if they rolling in, but like sucking in. I don't know. I don't so know the terminology it, for it, but it just goes... I mean, that's sort of the same way. It does sort of the same thing that you're talking about, but I don't usually, like, it. What it whatever's left in length doesn't usually come untucked at all. Mm-hmm. I like, even thinking... And I only wear women's panties. I don't wear anything. So... Mm-hmm. Keeps everything kind of nice and flat. Contained. Yeah, where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's mainly if I'm like wandering, if I'm walking around a lot, I'm doing a lot of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. it's kind of a kind of are a you thing. Wear, are you wearing a bra all the time now? Most of the time, I don't wear one to work. Um, I I could, and you wouldn't be able to tell because the shirts are huge, and I wear two shirts anyway. For me, with work, it's it's mostly um, kind of a heat level thing, right? Because it's a really physical job; it's really sweaty, so it's just like just try to try to mitigate some of the heat. Right? You want you want to not keep everything contained in there that you feel. Mm-hmm. Yep. But outside of work, I, I wear a bra all the time. They're definitely they're definitely noticeable with uh, without a bra now. Yep. So. And my nipples are really sore, so gotta I, you know, protect I, them. I need to wear it just for protection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to protect them, honestly. Otherwise, like, just running into anything is like, wow, that hurt. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you have? Did you have that problem um, when you, I got my your nipples start? You know, taking the hormones started getting real sensitive and stuff. Did you have that problem where you were just like running into? Doors and corners and doorways. I'm running to things very often, but just the the errant touch of, in any way, and it would be like, "Yow, okay." <laughs> Even now, when I go to sleep, like oh, yeah. I'll roll sideways, and I'll get caught a little bit, and I'll go like, mm-hmm, "Yow." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's that one's pretty bad. I have that issue when I'm sleeping if I'm like laying on my side or. Yeah. Or I, I tend to put my my work shirt has like the front pockets on the shirt. So oh I yeah, that can those a I, lot. Yeah, I'd want to wear a bra just for that. <laughs> dangerous. Oh my gosh. I always put my sunglasses in there. Oh. It's really that's... funny, but developing boobs. It was laying. I, the thing I've noticed more that I wasn't expecting, and for all the stuff that I did to sort of like practice having boobs, if you will, with you mm-hmm. know, I, I, you know forms that I attached and everything else for myself and back in the day and stuff. But laying on my side while sleeping and it, you're getting caught 
like between your arm and the, mm-hmm, <laughs> the bed mm-hmm. and stuff was I wasn't prepared for that. Like that really surprised me. Oh yeah, so I, I woke up um the other day I woke up and I had like uh I had some cleavage which was was pretty euphoric, which is pretty cool. Um, just from the weight, I guess. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. How about have you like laying on your stomach like to get like a massage? Oh, I don't lay on my stomach. Yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try laying on my stomach now, but I, I never do. Well, I like to get I like to get a massage every so often. Like I'll go to you know some massage place and get a massage, and it's like. Holy smokes, this is like, do you have a pillow? <laughs> do you have something you can put on between me and the table? Like, anything? <laughs> I have, um, I have noticed that I can get discharge out of my nipples. Oh, I, no, I haven't noticed anything like that. Which is, um, the first time I noticed that was like two months ago. Interesting. It's not a whole lot, like, right. I have to, you know kind of squeeze them to do it but it does happen so uh, are you taking any are you taking any like um any vitamins specifically no because some there's certain vitamins that you can take that will actually help make that happen from what i understand it's like saw palmetto or something like that i don't remember where it's but i read i did do a bunch of reading about that too Mm. Yeah, the only the only things I take are, are my that those two the estradiol and the spironolactone. I don't take anything else. Maybe ibuprofen or something if I have a headache, but right. nothing else. Pretty pretty yep. clean. Good. All right. Well, I don't have anything else unless you wanted to ask me any other questions. I think we're good. Yeah, I think so. Um, I should probably get lunch. I haven't had lunch yet. Um, I have to do dinner for myself, too. It's dinner time here. It's like 6.15 here. Oh, yeah. It's definitely dinner time. Um, do you have any other questions for me or anything else you want to say to anybody no, else? I'm interested to see how it comes out when you finish whatever you're going to do, cutting it or whatever, and, or however you post it. be interesting. And um, sounds great. And then definitely I'll be glad to post, you know, participate in the, um, in the veteran thing. Okay, cool. And if you wanted to um, record audio of your um, your coming out letter, oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. That'd be really cool. That'd be really cool. Do you want me to do that now? Um, yeah. Okay, hold on a second. I can pull if, it up. Yeah, if you have it, you want to do it now? That'd be great. Yeah, why not? Let's just get it done. Let me see documents. I know where I need to do it. I need to go to the drive. There it is. Got it.
Alright, you ready to for me to do it? Yeah, the floor is yours. Okay, so this is the coming out letter that I wrote. I have several different versions of this letter that I came out, depending on who the target person was. Um, if it was like somebody specific, if it was a family member, I did it slightly differently. It was just a generic, and I started with a generic one that I came with. Um, and this is, I'm reading you the generic one, and then obviously I do, uh, I had a much more specific one for um, each different group of person, whether it was professional or it was, you know, the volunteer organization that I'm in or family um, type of thing. But here goes, here's the generic, and you can, you know, if somebody ever wants me to post this, I'll be glad to post it. Um, I want an opportunity to share with you something that is very personal to me. I wish I could talk to you one-on-one -on -one in person, but logistics and time just don't make that a realistic possibility. I would much prefer that you learn about it from me personally so that you will not be confused by any rumors or misconceptions. In this way, I hope you can have some time to reflect on it in private and thereby answer any questions you might have. You might have already either heard or probably noticed some of the clearly significant and obvious changes in my appearance that have started to occur well over a year ago. While this is serious, it is an issue I've been dealing with ever since I was a child. My personal truth is that I'm transgender. Transgender is a term for someone whose internal sense of being male or female does not conform to that typically associated with their sex at birth. In the most realistic terms, my brain is female when my male hormones gave me all the characteristics of being male throughout my life. Because of this incongruence, I have felt anxiety, unfulfilled, and depressed about my physical appearance and emotion reactions for my entire life because of this conflict between my brain and my body. Even as a pre-adolescence, I was certain that I couldn't share or talk about this because it was not normal and I taught myself to keep my feelings and thoughts well hidden and tried to live a typical male life. But throughout all of my life, my feelings and extreme dissatisfaction with myself never went away, and I kept it well hidden from everyone. In the last two years, the anxiety had become much worse, and it started to significantly affect my physical and emotional health and well-being. My diabetes, and even more concerning, my blood pressure became barely controllable, and I made the decision to deal with my disorder head-on. It started seeing doctors and therapists that were professionals experienced in these matters. After much consideration, we concluded the best way to alleviate the anxiety and solve my health issues was to follow the medically accepted solution and begin living my life as a woman. And so I actively began the process of transitioning from male to female. The process takes a number of years to complete, but the progress I've made so far has completely solved all my physical blood pressure and diabetic issues. The next step is for me to work through the social issues and begin living and working full-time as a woman. I have the full support of my son and my wife in this transition. I actually said their names in the, in the email I wrote, but I didn't want to do that on here. Of course, I recognize that this transition will impact you and require adapting our relationship to accommodate my new presentation. I absolutely understand and do expect that there will be an adjustment period for everyone but I would appreciate your support when you see me by calling me by my new name, Ashley, and using my proper pronouns like she and her in conversation. One thing that will not change is that I am the same person you knew before you heard this and will continue to be a good friend, neighbor, parent, and spouse. I love my family and friends very much and am committed to my marriage, my family, my friends, and those I work and interact with. 
I mentioned that this news comes as a surprise, and I'm sorry that I could not tell you in person. Please feel free to follow up with me. I'm an open book and will not be offended and more than willing to answer any and all appropriate questions you may have. I'll close by saying that I've waited decades for this and never thought it would be real, but it's finally here and in some ways feel like life is just beginning for me. I hope you understand. Sincerely, Ashley, formerly Paul. That's my coming thank, thank you so much for sharing that. And if anybody ever wants a copy of it, and I actually got, before I developed it, as I said, I went to this class at the conference and they gave me all sorts of examples of other people's letters. So if anybody wants those resources, they can, you know, ask me in Discord or wherever else. And if they give me their emails, I'll be glad to, or I can even post it on Discord if uh, somebody wants me to do that. So. Cool. 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 Thanks again. You're welcome. All right, have a great night and enjoy your lunch. All right, thanks. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be Billy, dinner by the time I get to yeah, it. Yeah. And Billy, anytime, honestly, I mean that sincerely, anytime you want have a question or something, feel free to reach out to me. I have no qualms about giving you my phone number and you calling me anytime you need support or help or you know just even want an ear or somebody to listen to. Okay, I appreciate it. Likewise. Yep. Great. Cool. So great seeing you again and great talking. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. thanks again for listening. Um, I know it's been a long time. I'm sorry. I, I will try to do better in the future. But just a fair warning, I am still insanely busy at the current moment. But I'll try to get things out as quickly as I can. Uh, thank you for your patience. I'm also still down to talk with anybody to record stuff. It's just taking me a little bit longer to get them out. So if you would like to share your story, if anything Ashley said you know resonated with you and you would like to you know share your story with me or, or reach out to anybody that's been on the podcast or some other listeners or myself or even Giselle, you can find us on the Cross Yas Confidential Discord server, which can be found on the Cross Yas dot com website uh, or on the cross yas podcast instagram um i'm not honestly i'm not that hard to find you can find me uh, come talk to me i'm more than happy to listen to your story and ask you questions from what i hear um but in the meantime take care of yourself and and just know that i do i still love you i still care about you and, you know, you deserve to be seen. Laters. Hey, uh, just a quick reminder, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story, have others come on the podcast to share their story, to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more.